The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Once again, to it came from the radio, the official show of the Big Apple College. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me live on Zoom for our 35th live show. Courtesy of the East Metal Public Library is none other than Dominic Definition Man Sperano. Yabba dabba do there, Mark. We have from the Life with Jenner G, Jenna Lee Steldy. Hi there, buddy. We have our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Latoya Jackson, everybody. <laughs> we have the most underrated of all the Jacksons, really. <laughs> yeah. And we have our special guest who we're going to be talking to with and about, which is awesome because he's here. We have artist, author, and all around super cool guy, Princess Rollins. Yeah. Hey, everybody, thanks for having me. So, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking with uh, Princess in just a few minutes, but before that, we have to take it away with the news. It's morphin' time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show of celebrating over 25 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com, and their next convention will be in May 1st and 2nd of 2021. We um, hope. We hope, yes. Yeah. Also, want to give our shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Unji Kun, Shadow Rabbit Art, and The Huracan, which is a convention in a church in Long Island. If you want to get your own little shout-out, go to www.patreon.com. Look up a came from the radio in the search bar, and just for a dollar, you can get your own little shout-out on our show. Whew. All right, so let's start off with the news. Uh, sad news, as always. Start off with sad news. Uh, billionaire Sumner Murray Redstone died recently. As of this recording, no cause of death has been announced. Uh, for those of you who lived in Long Island, New York, Sumner is best known for the very first drive-in movie theater in Valley Stream, Long Island, the Sunrise Multiplex Cinemas. Uh, those of you who may not know that from that one movie theater, Sumner built his entire empire, which included Viacom, which in turn bought Paramount, and is now part of the CBS Corporation. Uh, personally, in addition to working at Sunrise Multiplex for 10 years, that's me, and 10 years before that, I worked for Blockbuster Video, which is also owned by Viacom at the time, and about 99% of all the movies I've ever seen in my life in theaters have been owned by this man. So a large portion of my life uh, is in some way related to Sumner, so he was a major part of it. If only he knew. True. If only he knew, yes. If only he knew. He's waiting also, for you to reach out. Yeah, and also uh, I'd like to thank him because there's so many times I snuck into that drive-in and watched movies <laughs> for free. So ha. thank you for placing it in the right place just where I can get in. It was great. Thank you. 
thank you for making Mark Torres the man he is today because <laughs> yes. I love being his co-host. <laughs> Could we be thanking anyone for that? Mark, I just saw my, you, you did say he created the first drive-in. In Long Island, New York, uh, yes. I, I, I just saw my first drive-in movie um, here in London several weeks ago. It was Priscilla, Queen of the Desert with Terrence Stamp. Wonderful movie. Oh. And it was a nice freaky experience because here I am, um, 50 plus years of age, and I finally went to a drive-in. Wow, that's wow. crazy. Uh, my first drive-in movie, which was my very first movie ever, was Jaws. Oh. Wow. 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 Oh, interesting. Wow. You're old, Mark. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm not even going <laughs> to tell you what my first drive-in movie was. Was it Cleopatra? <laughs> no. <laughs> was, it a, was it a talkie or a silent movie? It was um, all, I know, all, I know, <laughs> all I know is there was a guy playing piano next to the screen. That's oh, it. man. Wow. Oh, no. That's pretty cool. Oh, no. Of uh, 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 note, according to Forbes, as of April 2020, Sumner Redstone was worth about $2.6 billion. Not going not gonna to do him any good now. I was going to say, can't take it with him now, can he? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. very true. Um, he was a, uh, um, a spry 97. No, 97, you're no longer spry. 97, you're just hanging in there. And like they they don't know what the cause of death is. I'll tell you what the cause of death was. He's ninety seven was the cause of death. Yeah, I thought it was, and now uh, he's probably part of the force. Yeah, exactly. For if all the drive-ins that are popping up, he's now guiding all the drive-in producers. The dude was so old he didn't need to be cremated. He just turned to dust. It was it. He ash like a vampire. Wow. That's, that's, well, yeah, well, sure. he's ninety seven, man. This guy, this guy may have been 97, but he was a big player. He oh, definitely yeah. was. Yeah, you know, I mean, the last picture I saw of him in the news last week was with these his two mistresses on his arms. <laughs> that that was, you know, you got to go. Yeah, well, you know what, you know what uh, Mel Brooks said. It's good to be the king. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, moving on yeah. from more and the last bit of sad news. So, um, actor Harry Bernard Cross also died recently following a quote-unquote short illness. Ben Cross, his stage name, was perhaps best known for his portrayal of the British Olympic athlete Harold Abrahams in the 1981 film Chariots of Fire and as Sarek, Spock's father, in the 2009 Star Trek film. In addition to the aforementioned role, Ben appeared in such movies as, <clears throat> here we go, A Bridge Too Far, The Unholy, Eye of the Widow, First Night, Turbulence, the Mechanic, Finding Rin Tin Tin, Jack the Giant Killer, The Hurricane Heist, The Rest is Ashes, and The Devil's Light, just to name a few. On the small screen, Ben appeared in such shows as The Flame Trees of Thicca, uh, The Citadel, I, I got it right, and then Charlie's nodding his head, I got it right, uh, Twist of Fate, The New Dark Shadows, Poltergeist Legacy, Trial and Retribution, SS Doom Trooper, uh, Nuremberg, Nazis on Trial, Lost City Raiders, William and Kate, the movie, Banshee, Randy Cunningham, Ninth Grade Ninja, and 12 Monkeys, just to name a few. Oof. Mark, how old was he? Did, did you say? Um, no, he was a, a, a young 72. Mm. And he That's died young. of a short, following a short illness? What does that yes. mean? Uh, that means he, had, he, he probably caught something and he died from it shortly thereafter. 
It'll be labeled as a Corona death. In Star Trek. Um, yeah. I thought it was well cast to, as mm. Mark Leonard's yeah. successor. It was a very good thing. Uh, yeah, he was, he was an incredible actor. He was. Yeah. I liked him. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me, but okay, Charlie got the same approval. Charlie liked him. All right, now. No, I <laughs> said he was an incredible actor. Oh, okay. I didn't hear that. And I liked him. Yeah, that's uh, fun. All right, so let's on something this evening. Are you um, making something? If so, why are you holding out on me? No, no. Remember, no drugs. I'm straight edge. Just uh, straight edge. Just uh, no drugs, yeah. no drinking, none of that stuff. I'm high on life, right. which right. isn't which isn't that high right now. I was gonna say like your life. <laughs> okay. Can't say the same. All right. So moving on to happier news, sort of happier news, uh, from the we just want you to come and buy snacks department. Um, AMC Theaters, the nation's largest movie theater chain, has announced that they are expecting to reopen in the U.S. on Friday, this Friday, uh, August 20th. Of course, due to the ongoing pandemic, they are enticing theater goers with a retro, quote-unquote, ticket price of just 15 cents per movie. Um, of course, all the movies will be shown will be second-run films, such as the original Ghostbusters, Black Panther, uh, Back to the Future, and Grease, just to name a few. After that, the initial price, the AMC has announced that those films will only cost $5 to see. Um, of course, uh, all people are going to the movies will have to follow the CDC guidelines, such as wearing masks uh, throughout the entire time they are there, as well as practicing social distancing. And uh, the AMC will provide masks for those who need it for just a buck. So well, I see how? they're following my uh, modus operandi, and they're saying, don't, uh, don't lower the price, raise the value, right? That's what they're doing. I just saw uh, our first, we went to a movie, um, my, my family and I went to see Proxima, which is a new movie um, at uh, Westfield here in uh, London, it's a big shopping center and it had been closed for uh, months, the theaters anyway. And um, yeah, uh, it was a fantastic movie and it was half price. And uh, we didn't have to wear a mask all the way through the movie. We were able to eat our popcorn and, um, but man, it was good to be back. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm wondering like sucked not being how, able to do the movie. How are you supposed to be like mm. eating popcorn or snacks while watching the movie? If I have to wear my mask the whole time, it, it just what am I going to be like this? Like, yeah, it's easy. You just go like this, like ready? That? Like you shove it into the mask. You know that chain? It goes in, and then you go. Like this. That's it. You got and then it. You just put the seat out. Of course. So, you know, I mean, if you don't have to wear your mask in a restaurant, I don't see why you have to wear your mask the whole time while you're watching the movie because you're going to be do eating most likely. How many people see the movie, see movies without getting some snacks, some soda, some drink, something? One thing they were showing that we didn't see was the 40, the 40th anniversary re-release of The Empire Strikes Back, which I would have seen on the big screen. The last time I saw it on the big screen was in 1997. Oh, with the re-release. With the yeah. special effects. Um, yep. That movie deserves to be seen on a big screen, but we voted for something new. Proxima was pretty awesome. But the movie theaters didn't give you a discount on the food, did they? No. <laughs> no, they didn't. And it was like wrapped in this new way. The popcorn's got a cover on top of it now. They didn't wow. have hot food, no hot dogs, so... 
Yeah, there was suffering all around, but mm. you know, wow. first world problems. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, as I've mentioned earlier, I used to work in a movie theater, and I've mentioned this many times. Movie theaters make their money on the concessions, so they fifteen cents. They could let you in for free for all they care. They want you to just come in and buy all the crap as possible, and mm -hmm. that's how they stay in business and make their money. I mean, uh, we've actually talked about how to keep the theaters going. What was, what was your plan, Jen? Oh, I uh, use it as a front for money laundering and then sell drugs. I think there are some theaters that do that already. <laughs> yeah, sell yeah. popcorn, hot I think dogs, Mark drugs, one of them. <laughs> alcohol too, prostitutes also, <laughs> and massages. You could actually put the uh, alcohol in the gummy bears, just leave it in a pan overnight, put the vodka in the gummy bears, soak it up. Mm. There you oh, go. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. now, I have a problem with the prostitute massage thing because like you either get prostitutes that can do massages or you don't get massage people at all. Because I dated a massage therapist. She used to keep a taser underneath the table in case someone got handsy. Like Whoa. they're very determined, like, no, we don't do that kind of massage. Whoa. So like you need to make sure that these prostitutes can give a good massage or else huh. don't that's a terror you know, you gotta be clear on that in your business model. Uh, by the way, the uh, drugs, alcohol, prostitutes, all of these things would have made episode nine much more enjoyable. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, there you go. Absolutely. Are we doing a good job of getting kicked off the library uh, program with this talk? Uh, we yes. might be. We, we might, might be. be. I just um, just noted it was Jen started the conversation. Yeah, the views of us doesn't necessarily reflect the views of the uh, library. Yes, right. okay. correct. Yeah. There we go. Right. We're clear. All right, so moving on. Uh, from the pay the man department. Uh, for those of you who have watched the recent Transformers series on Netflix, you may have noticed that the iconic voice of the two lead Transformers, Megatron and Arthur Bryan, sounded a bit off. This is because Netflix hired different voice actors than the original Peter Cullen and Frank Walker to voice the characters, but had them to do their best impressions of the legendary actors. When asked about this at a Q&A panel, Peter Cullen, along with Frank Waller, had this to say. <clears throat> I'm not going to do a Peter Cullen voice. Don't. don't. Um, don't using using non-union personnel undercuts protections the actors' unions provide them. It also is an unspoken rule in the entertainment industry that you don't take over another actor's role without their approval, especially if said actor is still capable of doing their job. Exactly. They went to Canal Street. You can spend $700 on Gucci or you can go to Canal Street. They went to Canal Street. I Well, yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, it, I, as a fan of Transformers, they have used other voice actors for the roles, which is fine. I mean, they don't own it. It's not, it's right. not legally theirs. However, there are certain, as they say, rules that if you, it's your character, you're the main character, as long as you're able to do the voice, you should do it. But because Netflix is being cheap, they didn't want to pay them their rate and made it a non-union show, they got cheap knockoffs. And I think that's, that's bad now. So now... As I, I watched it, I think it should be something that should be uh, protested and be like, hey, get, pay the money, get the original actors. Mark, can you answer a, a trivia question for me? Was, uh, I think you said the name Peter Cullen. Did he also do the voice of Eeyore? On he did do the voice of Eeyore on um, uh, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Peter Cullen has been around for a long time. He's a pretty famous yeah. voice actor. And Frank Walker has done like everything. 
in the in the world of uh, voiceovers. You know, I thought I thought Peter was here because you sounded just like him. <laughs> oh yeah, they could have Netflix could have hired you. Yes. Peter Cullen said something interesting though for Optimus Prime that he based it off of his older brother who went to Vietnam and like that's why like Optimus like never yells or gets really angry with any of the Autobots. He felt that like good leadership was just cool, calm, collected the entire time. And I've been watching the old uh, Transformers. Transformers. I I almost hear some John Wayne in it now. As an adult, I I hear Optimus and I can hear like there's a little bit of that John Wayne sort of thing going on there with him, which I like. You know, I, I can watch it. Like there's some things about the old Transformers that as a kid you didn't pay attention to, but I remember I just recently watched an episode where they drove to Africa from North America. <laughs> they took not, they took the long wow. way. They took it. Yeah, I don't know how they did it, but they, wow. they you see them. They're in North America, and then the next thing you know, they're in Africa and they're still transformed as cars. And I was just Wait, like, Are you saying you, you you saw something unrealistic here? Is what you're <laughs> beyond like that? When I was six or seven, like you don't question, but now as a thirty-seven-year-old man, you're like, that's a little lazy on the writing. It's all uh, you needed was a scene of them flying because we know they can fly. The, the oh. driving part, a little weird. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe I, it. I was like, I like that part about leaders not getting out of control or raising their voice. Mm. I'm big on that. Yeah, and it was Peter Cullen didn't know how popular Optimus Prime was until like the movie came out. When they killed him off. When they killed him, yeah, because they didn't give him any of the fan mail. I guess <laughs> they didn't want him to know, so he wouldn't ask for more money. Wow. <laughs> So, moving on to the last bit of news. There's a dog in the room. <laughs> that, that is not the news, but that's a, that's a little factoid. Um, from it's the, not in your actual room, market. Don't worry about it. <laughs> from the, the pendulum is still swinging wildly department. Last bit of news. All right, here we go. Portland's Northwest Film Center Cinema Unbound Drive-In Theater has caved to cancel culture and pulled the screening of a 1990 Arnold Schwarzenegger film, Kindergarten Cop, due to the film, quote-unquote, romanticizing over-policing in the United States. Um, other things about the film are being quoted as saying, what's so funny about school-to-prison pipeline? There's nothing funny in traumatizing kids. National reckoning and on over-policing is a weird time to revive Kindergarten Cop. In real life, we are trying to end school-to-prison pipeline. We recognize these films are not like Good family fun. They are relics on how pop culture feeds racist assumptions. Uh, in place of Kindergarten Cop, the event organizers will instead screen John Lewis's Good Trouble, a documentary about the late civil rights icon. Um, other films slated for the drive-in series includes Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Xanadu, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and The Shining. Why put any of these up then? Like this is exactly. almost all of those. Well, there's a the dude other. who works in movie theaters or cops. See how that, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to bleep that one when we hear this. <laughs> I don't know about that. You have such a potty mouth. Well, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a potty mouth. That's a technical term. <laughs> it's technical. Yeah. But seriously, I mean, they're gonna have that in a theater. Look we'll, we'll what Pee Wee Herman did. Really? Come on. Uh, yeah, there's like nude scenes and. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That is right. That is right. <laughs> so, like, they're not going to want to protest that. And uh, there's a couple other problems with some of the other movies, I'm sure. 
Like well, I, you can make an argument like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Why is Black evil? Why is it threatening? You can start. You can start ripping things apart to an nth degree. You know, it, it, kindergarten cop. Come on, you have Arnold Schwarzenegger with a bunch of kids teaching them calisthenics and going, "It's not a tumor. I don't have a tumor." He's like the best cop ever, too. He's he's such a lifesaver. I mean. Uh, Jackie, my wife and I saw Kindergarten Cop, I remember, when it, in its first run. I don't really remember much about it. It's, I, I seem to remember it being a innocuous bit of fluff entertainment, and I, I, I don't know what to say. Well, th there was a point where cancel culture wanted to cancel Robert Downey Jr. because he did Tropic Thunder. Right. Like, Tropic Thunder was in 2008. They're like, did you know he did blackface? And it's like, if you actually saw the movie, you realized... He's an actor playing an actor mm -hmm. in blackface, and it's a commentary on how stupid that is. Right. <laughs> and he was great yeah. in it, by and the way. And he was great. He was fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, so, we, we've said this many times before. I think it's just a pendulum, as I mentioned, going extremely one way, and it's going extremely the other way. Eventually, it's going to find its way back to the center. Mm -hmm. But I think right now, we're on the, the, the overreaction on one side, and it's, it's kind of weird. It's a, it's a sad state of affairs. It's, it's two steps forward, one step back all the way. Um, it really yeah. is. I, I would go with one step forward, two steps back. <laughs> yeah. Part. I mean, it's getting as bad as like the over-censorship by the Christian right in the 80s. It's, it's getting almost to a point where it's like they're touching in the middle again because they've, both sides have gone so extreme. Hmm. that they, you know, There's this idea that you can't um, you know, do X, Y, or Z, and both sides believe x y and z shouldn't be done for nearly semantical reasons you know whatever example i don't i don't want to go into specific examples but they'll just come to both saying like no no you shouldn't be able to do that and one be say like it's morally wrong the others would be like because you're oppressing people either way mm -hmm. you're both saying i can't you're limiting my freedom my my freedom of choice my freedom of of expressing myself and they mm -hmm. don't care either side mm -hmm. it's too extreme it's too crazy now, I'm sure you must have covered this topic in uh, another many. <laughs> yeah, you, Mark, another another show, not different topic. But we're not talking about no New York Comic Con. Um, no, we, we did that already. <laughs> that already that already been, came and went. Dude, you need to save that for the live show, man. Like that's the, the conversation. News news comes in. We, we do the show and it comes out. So this is what came up on this week's uh, You're show. Saying, like like how you jumble around the episode so it doesn't matter. It's like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Exactly. Or 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 his more famous brother, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh no 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 no! Hold it. In my region of Sicily, that's how you pronounce his name. So. Get your uh, facts <laughs> right, Mark. You well, can't deny that, Mark. He today he's identifying as someone from a region of Sicily. You can't say that's not true. That, that is correct. Which, which, pretty soon I'll be censored for that. Yeah. Well, no, for you can't. See, reason. You can't censor anyone for how how they identify. You can't oh, okay. play that game. So, like, right. I have a friend who uh, is a lawyer, right? He's a prosecutor. Defense attorney called him said like he was being racist and he just came back quick as a shot you can't call me racist today i identify as a puerto rican lesbian there you go defense attorney was like he's like yep. i don't know if you're kidding or not he's like exactly you don't know you don't know yes and you can't uh, censor anyone for who they identify to be that's right very well said yep. so that's it for the news
the dog lets us know, and we're going to take our break. A, when did you get a dog? I don't know. I, I hear a dog. That's why I, I hear it. So we're going okay. to take our break, and we'll be right back with It Came From the Radio. Hey, this is Ty Monk, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy from The Last Dragon, and you're listening to It Came From the Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. New comics are back at Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. And now get ready for Joker War from DC Comics. Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from noon to 7, Thursday from 2 to 7, Friday from 2 to 7, and Saturday from noon to 5. So if you want the latest Marvel DC image or independent comics, comic book supplies, back issues, or magic cards, please call Chuck at 516-763-1133 for all the details. Thank you and stay safe. What's up, guys? This is Kari Payton. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio, so keep listening. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Hey, I'm Mike Kingston, the writer and creator of Headlocked. And I am WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler. And guess what you're listening to? You're listening to It Came From The Radio. Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Hi, this is Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From The Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. We are here live on video, at Zoom, on our 35th live show, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library. They have tons of programs every single day. We do a monthly show. Uh, for more information, go to www.eastmetal.info uh, and sign up for all the other stuff that they have. I also want to mention that on the 28th of August, uh, we'll be MCON Anime Fest, which is hosted by Kelly Gordon, is going to have a Q&A panel with voice actors Brittany Lauda and Matt Shipman. So once again, go to www.eastmetal.info. So, as I mentioned before, we are here with our super special guest all the way from the United Kingdom, artist, uh, author, writer, uh, actor, singer, dancer. What else, what, else, what else can I say about you? Is he a producer or director? No. Uh, Is he a magician? Are you a magician? <laughs> um, no, sorry, guys. <laughs> so, well, a little bit. I conjure pictures. <laughs> yeah. That, magic. Can, that is true. Is magic? This is magic. Technically speaking, according to uh, Alan Moore, anyone who's creative is a magician. 
So, Princess Rollins, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll take it from there. Uh, let's see. I uh, have been working uh, in the comics biz for, um, God, since uh, 93, 1993. Um, I started drawing comics when I was a little kid, um, and I went to, I, I, I was a philosophy student at university and went to USC and um, and for a while I was um, contemplating a career as a uh, as a philosophy professor so I went to uh, Rutgers to work on a uh, doctorate and left after two years with a master's degree determined to take a crack at becoming a, a comics artist in the mainstream um, and so for two years, I worked as a temp in New York City and took lessons. And then I finally started getting work in 1993. The first company I worked for was Milestone, which um, was started by Dwayne McDuffie and Dennis Cowan, Michael Davis and Derek Dingle. And I was with them for like five years, um, inking and penciling hardware mostly, various other things. Um, and then I went on to work for DC proper for um, like 15 years. I uh, did a lot of Green Lantern work with uh, Pat Gleason and Ethan Van Skyver, a lot of JLA work with um, Val Semix, a uh, great penciler. Um, many other things, but those are, those are some of the highlights that come to mind. Um, Is Hal Jordan indeed the, the greatest uh, Green Lantern of all time? I, yeah, I mean, I think so. I just... Okay, good. You passed the <laughs> test. You can stay on the show. I think so. Um, and Kyle Rain is okay. I, one, of, one, of the, one of the most interesting inking jobs I had was at Milestone, I inked an issue of the title Static, uh, and the penciler was Gil Kane. Bless, the legendary Gil Kane. Um, at the time, he was, and he's, he's pretty much responsible for the Silver Age, the Hal Jordan Green Lantern, I think. Um, uh, I, I forgot the name of the guy that, that originally created Green Lantern. Um, Sheldon Maldoff, I want to say. And, yeah, anyway, so in just... In front of a uh, computer. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> this, is, this is like 1994, 95. And that was, um, I, I just remember, I almost uh, defecated, you know, like right there uh -huh. on the spot when, um, I, I guess it was Dwayne McDuffie said to me, do you want to ink this thing? I was like, of course I want to ink it, you know. Um, if you're talking and, about Hal Jordan, it says created by John Broom and Gil Kane. The Hal okay. Jordan character, specifically. I think Gil Kane designed the outfit, basically. Yeah, yeah. Same uh, like Steve Ditko and Stan Lee, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Gil, Gil Kane was a great with a capital G, you know, he's just one of those great old school, you know, meat and potatoes artists. Um, so it was an education working with him and with, and I did an awful lot of work at Milestone with, um, with Dennis Cowan, who was kind of my mentor. Um, yeah. So, so I worked mostly, you know, in, in, during my time with the mainstream business, it was mostly DC. I did a little bit with Marvel, um, just a couple of issues of New X-Men uh, over Ethan Van Skyver. Ethan and I had a nice relationship for a number of years before he went <laughs> insane. Um, uh, and, Been there. Uh, I know what that's like. <laughs> Someone's nice and stable, and then all of a sudden, you're like, 
who is this person? Regardless, regardless of the state of his, you know, sanity, he's a fantastic artist. I'm, you know, so no there doubt about that. Um, and for the past few years, I've been doing my own books, graphic novels. A couple of years ago, I published uh, The Furnace, which is a science fiction graphic novel. It's published by Tor Books, the science fiction arm of uh, Macmillan. Um, and about a year before that, it was a it was a science fiction kind of how to book called How to Draw. There it is. Uh, that's the furnace. Um, how to draw sci fi utopias and dystopias. That was from Monticelli Press. That was a real pleasure to to draw because um, that was kind of my thing. You know what I I kind of uh, developed my my aesthetic as an artist mainly from movies that I saw as a kid, uh, Star Wars would be, you know, that was when, when I was like 11 years old, that really got me uh, started. I can show you guys something really interesting, actually, as long as... Uh, yeah. Wait a minute. No, not um, he is pulling out some books and his shelves. I started drawing comics when I was 11, and here... Oh my God, not that book, not the book. So I know about this book. <laughs> I don't know. Can you can you see? I don't know if you can see that too clearly. It's Star Wars Two. Okay. There's the characters, right? Huh. And, and it's like and there's like fifty pages here drawn in pencil, of just like there's there's a big explosion scene. But the reason I still have this is because I begged my mom. I saw a kid at school had been drawing comics in one of these hardbound black sketchbooks i had and I, one and i yeah i begged my mom for like for like weeks to get me one finally she did and that was that was the beginning of my life in comics i i just mm. and, and i still have it low low all these years later there it is um yeah but but science fiction that was that was kind of i i went through a, like a tie fighter phase where it's like for a whole year i drew nothing but like tie fighters and the millennium falcon and a, a Star Trek phase before that, where I just drew the Enterprise. I had I had like the Star Trek blueprints. I don't know if any of you guys ever had that or remember that. It was this uh, plastic satchel filled with all these fold-out blueprints of of all the props from and ships from Star Trek. And uh, I just I poured over that stuff and just drew it and drew it and drew it. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how I cut my teeth as an artist, and uh, and then it's still what really fills my sails today is is drawing science fiction. So, like right now, I'm working on. I just finished the line art for another graphic novel, a follow up to the furnace. I don't know what the publishing venue is for that yet. Um, COVID is kind of you know messed with the entire publishing industry, like it's messed with everything else. So it's kind of like you got to wait and be patient. Um, and I'm working on, I'm doing the line art for volume three of the Jekyll Island Chronicles, which is a three issue graphic novel series from Top Shelf IDW, which is an awesome project. I was invited on to work on that um, by Steve Nedvedek, one of the creators at San Diego Comic-Con in 2018, where Mark, I saw you for the first time in many years. Yeah, it was like a hundred years since uh, then. It was weird that we wind up seeing each other in California. <laughs> yes, and we had, we had a great lunch. We had burgers, and it was it was such a pleasure to see you and get caught up. Um, so, so a number of really cool things happened two years ago at that convention. I met, I, I saw Mark. I 
I premiered The Furnace. Uh, I met Steve Nedvedek and got involved with Jekyll Island Chronicles, which is a really cool project. Um, it's kind of, it's science fiction and it's kind of alt history. It takes place in the 20s. And it's a team of superheroes fighting a bunch of um, uh, anarchists trying to take over the world. It's kind of the war between the wars, between World War One and Two, And um, uh, it's got, the superhero team has, you know, some of the characters are like real people, like Tesla, like Nikola Tesla, Henry Ford, Andrew Carnegie, and a bunch of super powered people as well. So great project. I'm having a ball with that. So uh, yeah, there, there you go. That, that's, that's me blabbering on about my life for however long that was, but that, that's kind of where it is right now. Do you prefer to work on your own stuff or other people's stuff? Um, if I, if I had to answer that, I'd say my own, that wasn't always the case. Um, like, like 20 years ago, you know, I was, I was, you know, still kind of fumbling towards my own voice and aesthetic and I hadn't really established it yet. I'm, you know, I'm a late developer in that regard. Um, so, so like for, for the longest time when I was working for DC, I was happy to, to be inking other people because I was learning so much and I was having a great time and I never had any, you know, uh, preconceptions about inkers being uh, second rate citizens in, in comic them. I, I, I've always viewed inkers as uh, essential, um, very essential, you know, contributors to that creative process, the way mainstream comics are created. That was my initial dream, to be an inker. Yeah. Well, that's... Oh, we figured out who's dog. <laughs> it's Charlie. Charlie. What are you doing? Uh, yeah. Yes, my... it is. Tell him, tell him what he won, Jack. Uh, okay. But my, but my initial well, goal was to be an inker, so anytime I hear someone say, like, no, we're not second-class citizens. No, no, no. I, I, I worked... Damn for, Kevin I, Smith. He was all like, you're tracers. It's like, yeah, uh. yeah. I, That kind of... Um, no, I mean, an inker can, um, can save a comic book at the 11th hour, or he can yes. do it. But the same applies to colorists. Of course. Um, writers, of course. Um, and... and and even let even letterers, even though lettering is nowadays done almost entirely with fonts. But I, I back in the day, I I certainly remember seeing any number of good comic books that had basically been ruined by bad text, you know, by bad mm. lettering. Mm. So it's a team effort. I mean, putting putting a comic book together. So and it, everybody's got to be you know on top of the game to do it right. But 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 nowadays, Mark, getting back to your question, no, I, th I think I definitely prefer to, you know, work on my own stuff just because, you know, you, you get to a certain age and you don't know how much time you've got left. Um, and I, I, I feel like I definitely have, you know, X number of stories I want to get out of, you know, and do, really do and do them well before my hands clinch up with arthritis or I go blind or something like man. that. Wow, that's, that's, that's a way to... Took a turn, man. When you're 20, 20, whatever years old and you're, you know, working in the mainstream industry, you know, you don't, you don't think about this stuff. You're, you're not really right. thinking about your own mortality or your own mm. shelf life as an artist, as a creator. But, you know, as you, as you get older, uh, that all really becomes important. So. But, yeah. Yeah. I notice you have this glove on. Like oh. this now, is that just to keep from smearing graphite, or 
I'm going to tilt my camera. This is my drawing board. You see that? That's my Cintiq. Ah. Yeah. Um, I'm doing Jekyll Island Chronicles, and I have my, my, my Mac set up in front of that. So if you see me looking down, I'm looking at the Cintiq. Mm. Um, it's it's a, a cool-looking glove. It makes me look like a cyborg, but more importantly, <laughs> it keeps my hand from coming up the panel of the, the pane of glass on the Cintiq. Oh, which is a real lifesaver, and nobody told me about it. I had to find out for myself. Um, so, if anybody, if you use a Cintiq tablet or a Wacom tablet, get yourself one of these. You'll be doing yourself a favor. It's like a gambit glove or something. <laughs> it was, it was interesting. <laughs> I thought it was a Bond character. Mm. <laughs> So Jennifer, um, I know I read the, the, the book, The Furnace. Uh, Jennifer, you also read it, right? I did. Well, mostly, mostly, <laughs> almost every single page. But my question was, are there any real life humans who these characters are based of, off of Walton or um, Mark? Is there anyone um, you know they're, personally? They're, 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 they're based on, you know, I mean, when you're writing this stuff, you're, you're definitely, you know, pulling from your own personal experience. Um, you know, there's this, this definitely a recurring theme of, you know, like alcoholism. And I definitely grew up around a lot of alcoholic shenanigans. Mm. So I grew on that. The character of Mark Lepore is, is modeled pretty closely on a guy that I knew in grad school. He was this kind of Mephistophelian character. I mean, he was a nice guy, but he was very intense and charismatic. And, um, and some of the exchanges between... Uh, Mark Lepore and um, and Walton Honderick are are almost verbatim uh, reproductions of verbal exchanges that I had with this fellow at Rutgers. Awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this guy must so, have been such a character, huh? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barry. I won't say his last name. He he was um, he was quite a character. Uh, one of those guys that impresses yourself himself on your memory and this never goes away um yeah. so the short answer the short answer is everybody everybody in that book is based on one degree to, to one degree or another on on somebody i mean that's, that's awesome yeah yeah and, i was gonna be a little disappointed if it wasn't based on anyone i'd be like oh man <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 it's, a lot of it is set at usc I, um, which and and that was where I where I went to free free university and um, and I reproduced the look of USC um, from memory uh, mostly because I wanted it to be a Los Angeles of you know of the imagination and of the memory and it was all more about creating a visual feeling you know uh, rather than getting details right. So yeah, it definitely gives you a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty much what I was going for. So yeah. Yeah. But well, I mean, some things you read, you know, some car, some comics, they don't, it's just comics, you know, but this feels like, like the alcohol, I had a hangover. I still have a hangover just reading this because there's so much alcohol in here. So yeah. I had, I got that feeling. I got like a uh, feeling. <laughs> it's, it's kind of about a lot of things. I mean, it's, uh, it started out funnily enough as a, I was taking a Gotham writers workshop in 1998 or 99. And, uh, I decided I had this idea because at the time there were a lot of news spots about, um, about 
the problem of people being in solitary confinement in supermax prisons in the US. Hmm. Hmm. And I wanted to do a science fiction story that kind of tied into that. So I wrote, I wrote, it was a short story written in this prose and it was pretty well received by the class, but it, I was really, I was really taken with it. And for the longest time, I wanted to give it a, a comics graphic novel treatment. Um, and in 2008, I finally said to hell with it, I'm going to start. And so I started and I worked on that thing for, um, for eight years. Wow. I wasn't working on it full time. There were, I mean, it was a back burner thing the whole time. Back burner, and, furnace. Yeah, there you go. And <laughs> there were, I mean, there were, there were two or three periods of one year where I set it aside completely thinking I would never pick it up again, but I always wow. did. And, and, um, and the way it got published was I, you know, I personally couldn't sell a dollar for 50 cents. I'm just, I'm not, but what I did was I, I, I found a literary agent, a book agent, a guy named Bob Mikoy. There are book agents who will represent graphic novelists. I sent it to him. He liked it. And he swung the deal with tour books. Thank you, Bob. Um, so, I mean, that's all down to him. Um, yeah. So uh, if any graphic novelist out there listening, that is a route towards getting, getting something, uh, a baby of yours published is um, you can, you can go online. There are, there are places like querytracker.com that will lead you to, um, to a book agent and they can, they can handle that for you for a fee, you know, for a cut, but it's worth mm. it every penny. So Charlie, do you have a question for Prentice? Um, no, not not as much as an observation. <laughs> no, no, listen to me. Not as much as an observation. First of all, I, I admire the gentleman for, for actually being in the career that he loves. I admire all people that they're doing what they love because I think uh, that's an amazing feat because people, a lot of people say, oh, you can't do that. But um, that and... Uh, before your career started, before you even had an inkling about what you wanted to do, what was the science fiction movie that impressed you the most? A few come to mind. Um, and these are all things that I was exposed to when I was, when I was little. Uh, Soylent Green. Wow. It's people. THX one one three eight. Wow, nice one. Yeah, yeah. and a movie called um, Charlie, starring Cliff Robertson, yes. which is based on a novel called Flowers for Algernon, a science fiction novel. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't, which I didn't, which I did read years later. Um, and and the and the thing, so it was it was movies like that that were. And these are still the kind of movies that really um, grab me. There's, there's science fiction movies um, that have got a really powerful, you know, kind of science fiction premise, but they're not really about that stuff, okay? Right. Like, yes. like um, uh, Soylent Green, you know, you can, just, you, you can talk for a long time about the science fiction premise. It's all about... Um, you know, this cautionary tale about overpopulation, pollution, global warming, what we're doing to the planet. I mean, this is like, this movie's like 50 years old, but they knew about global warming back then. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and um, but that's not what the movie's about in the end. The movie in the end is about, you know, just um, humanity and man's inhumanity to his fellow man um, and the struggle to reclaim dignity. I mean, it's about these big things that matter, okay? And the same is true of, of, of THX 1138 and of like Logan's Run, and it's true of Star Wars. Okay, all these great old science fiction movies and Blade Runner, they're, they're, they've got this really strong science fiction hook, but that's not really what they're about. The reason that people walk out of them and remember them for the rest of their lives is because they speak to something very fundamental and human, okay? They're about sacrifice, they're about redemption, they're about love, they're about good and evil. Mm. And that's the kind of science fiction that spoke to me when I was a kid and kind of helped to shape my, my approach to, to writing this stuff. And it's still the kind of science fiction that, that speaks to me today. Um, that's why, you know, I, I love Star Wars, okay? But the, like, like these, spin, you know, these spinoff series like Clone Wars and I don't know what else, you know, they, they, they drifted so far away from, I, I think, in my opinion, the, the important subjects. They've, they've become just so much about the world of Star Wars. And, and my attitude is, you know, who cares um, about that? I, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I yeah. Thank you, but I just, I just don't. So. Yeah, same. Um, well, those are some ex- excellent choices, by the way. And uh, wow. And then one more question. Did, is it true you had Mark as a student at one time? Yes. Yes. That's and what, what I met. That's and, was I met. He, and was he the worst you've ever had? <laughs> had yeah. been. Okay. Okay. We're going back a long time. So <laughs> my memory. Okay. I was, I was invited by a man named Carl Paulino. Mark, you can correct these details if I'm getting this wrong. He was, this guy named Carl Palmino was running this thing called the Special Effects Workshop on like 10th Avenue in Manhattan. And I don't remember how I met him. Maybe it was a convention. He invited me to teach a class on comic book art there, there at his little school. And Mark was one of the students. And Mark was like, like I was like 17 or 18 years. I don't know. I mean, he was like a little kid. <laughs> It's like the skinny kid. <laughs> funnily, enough, funnily enough, I saw him at, 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 at a few years ago, and he hadn't changed. I mean, he's still skinny guy. Yes, he didn't put one pound on. That's <laughs> yes. I don't think, I I mean, need, he's the most frustrating like, part, you know, I've watched him eat. He should be fat. So <laughs> lucky. You, you watched him eat those burgers with you. <laughs> Yeah, he's the Burger King. He still, if I remember right, he still had the obnoxious head of thick dark hair. No yes. Oh, um, Charlie, and I hate that about him. And, he, and yeah. he hadn't lost. He hadn't lost his sweet winning personality. I mean that. And um, he just meandered up to my table, and I, 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 it was, it was like with you, Dominic. I'm like, I know this guy. I just mm-hmm. not sure from where, but then it came to me, and um, and we had a great time. And um, I, I was tickled pink, and I'm tickled pink to be talking to you, to Mark, and all of you right now. So, yeah. So it was the New York Academy of Comic Book Arts and Fantasy Illustration. Okay. Was the, but he did run a special effects studio, 
at the same time, but the actual class, I got a certificate for completion. That was the New York Academy of Combo Garden Fans illustration. Do you know who else, Mark? Do you know who else was in that class? Yeah. Vincent Zerzullo, uh, who is now one of the guys running Metropolis Collectibles, hmm. um, which, is, which is one of the premier boutiques for collectible old comic book art and uh, cultural paraphernalia. So then he was there. He was also a baby. Um, so was I. So this was 90, I'm going to say 95, 96. I think it was before that. Four, four or five, around there. I want to say 93. I want to say like December of 93 or maybe Jan early 94. The reason I say that is because I had just inked pretty recently, um, like hardware number 10 or 11, um, I think. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. I remember showing it to you guys, showing you original pages, and that would have been like 94. It was, it was the crossover that you were doing that you showed us with uh, the Marvel, no, with the, uh, with the DC and um, Milestone crossover event. Or maybe it was Marvel oh. Milestone crossover. You, okay. I do remember the pages. I think that would have been summer of 94, I think, because uh, that was, yeah, long, hot summer. No, no. No, that was uh, Worlds Collide. So yes, was, Worlds Collide, yes. So summer of 94, and long, hot summer was summer of 95. So anyway, it was in there. So um, the, since, since you brought it up, um, the one thing I remember about your teachings was that you had an Avengers comic, which I had read, and what you did was you took the comic and then you redrew it how you thought it could be. So I thought that was cool that you said this is a great way to learn how to do um, uh, storytelling is that you take a comic, if you don't have access to any scripts, read the script and then redraw it based on what you see and see yeah. if you do a better job. And I was like, holy crap, that's amazing. Uh, that's, uh, well, that was a smart teacher you had. Wow. <laughs> So we are at the social media time of the show. So where can people find out more about you? Where can people pick up all the books? Go. Oh, uh, the books. Um, the Furnace, uh, you know, like everything else, can be easily acquired on Amazon uh, or at Macmillan's, uh, you know, Macmillan dot whatever, just Macmillan the publisher, you know, just Google it, and it'll come up. But Amazon is a sure bet. Um, yeah, my, my other art books, um, Sci-Fi Utopias and Dystopias, also Macmillan or Monticelli Press. Um, let's see. Um, can I get this stuff directly from your website? Yes, yes, you can. Uh, yeah, you can. Yes, if you go to there, there's a shopping page where you where there's a link to order the furnace and how to draw sci-fi utopias and dystopias. My website is www.prenticerollinsart.com. Prenticerollinsart.com. Um, that's, that's a good bet. Um, and Jekyll Island Chronicles, alas, will not be out. It will debut at uh, Comic-Con 2021. God willing. Please. Yeah. God. Are you planning to come back to New York for that? Because then you can come I mean, down I to will, the studio. I will be if if it's if it's happening. I will be there. I will definitely be Comic Con twenty twenty one. All so, Comic Cons have question marks now. Yeah, you just can't plan anything right now. But no. but Mark, if it if it happens, I'll be there. I want you to be there too because I want to have lunch with you again. Yes, and you can come down to our studio because we'll be allowed back in the studio that time. You can be a guest on the show again in our studio. It'll be awesome. We hope. <laughs> 
Um, so we're at final thoughts time. So uh, we'll, it's time for final thoughts. So Charlie Saladino, so you're coming for Charlie Saladino. Do you have any final thoughts for us? Um, yeah, I first of all want to thank our very talented, illustrious, illustrious guests uh, um, joining us from across the pond. It's been interesting. His science fiction movie choices were excellent, and uh, I enjoyed that very much. Thank you for being our guest. Thanks for having me. Jen, final thought? If you would not be martyred slaves to time, be drunken continually. Drunken with poetry, drunken with virtue, as you will, but be drunken from the furnace. All right, <laughs> <laughs> final thought. Uh, pay the inker. Inker live matters. <laughs> Prentice, final thought. I don't know if I can top that. that <laughs> no, um, that's that's beautiful. Uh, thank you, thank you, Dominic. <laughs> um, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. It's, I've had a great time. This has been a. I, I'd love to come back sometime. So my final thought is this. Um, once again, it's really great having you on the show. Um, like I said, I've known you for 100 years, and it's great seeing that you're still in the business and that you are succeeded and you've, you've leaps and bounds from when I first met you. Um, I read the, the first. It was a great book, great science fiction, so I want to make sure everybody goes and checks out that. Um, so, yeah, so let's see. We have our next live show, which will be on September 9th, which will be our 36th live show, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library. That's www.eastmetal.info with artist, comic book artist and creator Patrick Riley. And on the 28th of August, we're going to have a Q&A panel courtesy of the MCOM Anime Fest with voice actors Brittany Lauda and Matt Shipman. So, that about does it for this week on the Came from the Radio. Join us right here and every week on this radio show. If you miss any part of this show, Tough. go to our website, www. Now that came from radio.com, uh, listen to archives in a week or so. Make sure you go to the East Metal Public Library website to sign up for our next live show or listen to our regular show every single week. And we will see you uh, next time. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.